I invite you this morning to open your Bibles and follow along the text this morning that was read for us from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. No one really knows how Advent began or when it began, except that there is some historical evidence that the celebration of Advent is said to have begun in the 5th century when the bishop Perpetuus directed that starting with St. Martin's Day on November 11th until Christmas, followers of Christ were to fast three times a week. And that began a tradition which has evolved and emerged now into what we call Advent and for what we begin to celebrate today. This is the first Sunday of the church liturgical year. Christ the King Sunday last Sunday closed the church liturgical year and so we begin the church liturgical year today. And we will culminate Advent on Sunday, December 25th, here in the sanctuary by lighting the Christ candle on that day. So I invite you to gather along with us as we celebrate Advent, as we wait in the vigil of Advent, as we wait in hope in these weeks, longing for the coming again of Jesus, as we wait with prayer as we wait with hope, as we wait in wondering. The name Advent was adopted from the Latin adventus, meaning coming or arrival, and translated from the Greek word perusia, which in the New Testament is the term used for the second coming of Christ. Thus the season of Advent in the Christian calendar anticipates the coming of Christ from three different perspectives, the physical nativity in Bethlehem, the reception of Christ in the heart of the believer and the eschatological or future hope of the second coming of Jesus. And so as you give thought to Advent and as you take time to read passages during the Advent season, as you set aside time for worship, and I hope you will take time during the week of Christmas that we have set aside in Lee Chapel to come and to hold vigil in Lee Chapel that week from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the evening and have just a time of prayer, of longing, of waiting, of hoping for that next coming of Jesus. And during Advent 2022, we celebrate the physical nativity in Bethlehem. Our children are going to recreate that physical nativity on Christmas Eve in our Christmas Eve service here in the sanctuary. That service, by the way, will be at 4.30 in the late afternoon. I know some of you don't like to drive after dark. Some of you have other plans, so we'll go early on Christmas Eve on that Saturday for a service here to gather, to celebrate the physical presence of Christ in nativity, but also our own reception of Christ in our hearts and long for the second coming of Christ. And some of us groan for it, asking, oh Lord, how long? How long, oh Lord? It's one of the questions I even get frequently in this season. Pastor, when will Christ come again? Or Pastor, is Christ coming soon? And since the prophecies of Isaiah in 740 
years before Christ, we've been longing and waiting. And it is a long-held hope. And yet it is that hope that carries us with resilience from one day to the next. It will be helpful for us to remember that Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 was written during a time of hopelessness. Assyria was threatening to overrun Syria and Palestine. The northern kingdom of Israel had formed a coalition with neighboring nations in order to repel Assyria. They had asked the southern kingdom of Judah to join them. But Isaiah the prophet had spoken out clearly against such military coalitions and instead called on the people to trust in God's name and in God's way. Isaiah called on the people to look to Mount Zion and the temple as symbols of their salvation, and he paints a vivid picture of the realm of God which will come if we learn to walk in God's way. Like Israel of Isaiah's day, Threats to peace and safety abound in our world. And while we may not find many expressions of hope in the news of the day when we read about another mass shooting or another barrage of shelling in Ukraine or in the knowledge that there are approximately 600 homeless persons in Pasadena or the suffering of those who emigrate hoping for a more secure life or the numbers of people that are kept in bondage through human trafficking all of which frequently remind us of the condition of the world in which we live. And sometimes we may even wonder, where is hope? Where does hope exist? Frederick Beekner said it this way, the Bible is held together by having a single plot. It is one that can simply be stated, God creates the world the world gets lost. God seeks to restore the world to the glory for which he created it. That means the Bible is a book about you and me, whom he also made and lost and continually seeks. So you might say that what holds it together more than anything else is us. Is us, because God continues to seek us. Pastor Brad mentioned it last Sunday, in his message, God relentlessly continues to seek us in his efforts to recreate the world that he created because it is lost and needs recreation. You might add to that, of course, that all of the books that humanity has produced, the Bible is the one which more than any other and in more sense than one also holds us together. The book of God's Word holds us together. Beekner's statement that the world gets lost and God seeks to restore the world rings true for me and rang true for me as I read and reread Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 these past several weeks. For this passage speaks of hope in the face of hopelessness. It speaks of God's desire to restore the world. It speaks to us that there is a promised future that will be very different than our present circumstance. Verses two to three, we are reminded that nations will gather and disputes will be settled in new ways. 
In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. In God's recreation of the world in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, verses 4a and 4b remind us that people will gather and will be provided for. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. And swords and spears are repurposed for the benefit and provision of all, and peace will reign. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. This first Sunday of Advent brings us a picture of the future shaped by the presence of the Messiah on earth and Yahweh's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that you and I are not left with the hopelessness of the current predicament, but we are left with the hope of God's recreation of this world as he intended it to be as he intends it to be, even in this day as we live out the life that God has recreated for us in our own hearts and lives. Verse 5 points us to a resilient hope, a hope that we can walk in. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. As Pastor Mateo mentioned to us earlier, our theme for this Advent series is Toward the Light. Let us move toward the light, the light of the Lord that guides us and leads us and dispels the darkness of the world around us. This first Sunday of Advent rings loud with a call to be a people of hope in a dark world, to be a people with a hope that withstands the ravages of the ages and to be a people that are moving toward the light of God's hope who fills the people of God with a peace that passes understanding because the promise of God yet to be fulfilled, is to be trusted and longed for. What does the person of God who faces a darkness all around them do? What do they do? They long for the hope that God promises. They long for a better day. They long for a day not yet present in the great hope and resilient belief that God will come and redeem and recreate the world in the way God sees it to be. Is there longing in your heart? Is there hope in your heart? Is there trust in your heart? Is there a desire for God's recreation in this world. It is the people of God pursuing the light who are to be residuals of hope.
you and you and you and you and you and you and I speak hope. And can I tell you that I glimpse that hope? I glimpse that hope when I hear the stories of Christine and Greg this morning when they share the good news of Jesus Christ that God loves them and God brings hope for them and they go home to their village and they love their people and they bring hope to their people and God works in ways through even secular ways to bring about heavenly hope in recreating a community. And a politician provides a roof. Thanks be to God for a politician. Don't get carried away. <laughs> but think about that. There was a glimpse of hope in the sanctuary this morning when we were told about a village in Malawi. I saw a glimpse of hope in my grandchildren this last week. We were with Sarah and her family and our rest of our family up in the Seattle area for Thanksgiving and my grandchildren, our grandchildren, they're mine some days, all sat on the dining room tables, literally sat on the dining room table, gathered around a, a, a board game called Sorry. Anybody ever play Sorry? And my grandchildren took great joy out of bumping me back to home base. And they celebrated when they beat me at Sorry. But can I just tell you that I see glimpses of hope in the faces of children? I see them down in our children's church on Sunday morning in our Sunday school. I see them when we dedicate babies here at the altar of God. I see them when we baptize them here before the people of God. And I have hope. I see glimpses of hope on Wednesday when our volunteers distribute food to nearly 500 families every week. I see glimpses of hope when they drive through and they come to the station that Vivian Fithian holds. And she says to them, how many families? And she hands them whatever cleaning commodities she may have on that day and she will say to them, do you need prayer today? And the number of times I see someone say, I lost my job yesterday. I need prayer for this or that. And Vivian leans into that window and reaches out her hands and prays. I see hope. I see hope every Sunday morning when our people gather in the kitchen to prepare meals to serve at Church in the Park in Central Park on Sunday morning. We saw hope when the city of Pasadena canceled every event permit during the pandemic except one, except ours. 
I see glimpses of hope in which the work of God in the people of God is recreating the world even now among us. Because the people of God are participating in acts of hope and living lives of hope in the darkness. Romans chapter 13 reminds us the hour has come for us to wake up from our slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. If there was ever a year that I looked forward to Advent, it is this year. As a pastor, having followed your lives and having walked with you in some of the challenges you have faced. For some of you, this is the first Christmas without a loved one. For others, this Christmas is the first under the threat of ravage and of disease. For others, this Christmas brings job loss and economic hardship. And Christmas highlights the hardship even more. And then Advent comes and calls us to hope in the provision of God for a future yet to be made real as we wait for the coming of Jesus. There is hope in waiting. There is hope in waiting. I have two prayers for us this season. That we would be people of empathy. Why empathy? Only people of empathy can offer hope. Only people of empathy can say there is hope because as we empathize with the reality of the world around us, there then begins to settle in on us a burden that moves us to action and love and care that goes beyond the emptiness of words. In January, some folks in the faith community and other groups gather to do a census of the homeless in our community. And I'm going to participate in that census this year. And I'm going to invite some of you to participate with me. And on a cold January night, we'll go out. And care. Why count? We count so we can provide. We count because we care. We count because we have empathy. We count to say, we seek to help. A friend of mine likes to say to me, it's not your responsibility to solve their problem, it's your responsibility to create relationship. It's easy to give someone something. It's much more meaningful to be in relationship. And so we go in the hopes of building relationship.
I would pray that we would be people of empathy because hope is birthed in seedbeds of empathy. My prayer is that God would increase yours and my capacity for empathy in this Advent season that we might be people of hope more than we ever have been before. For there is a community all around us here who seeks hope. And they want to be with people of hope. And they welcome hope. Second, that we would confess our own need for hope. In the discipline of our Advent prayers, in the discipline of holding vigil during Advent, and we have the prayer room, we also have the week to come in Lee Chapel to hold vigil. But to confess our need before God that we need hope. Anyone need hope this morning? I'm gonna invite you this morning to let me pray for you. If you need hope this morning, I want you to stand right where you are and let me just pray over you before we conclude this service. Anyone need hope? Just stand up. Just stand up. Don't be afraid. Hope begins with confession. And if we look around this room, a great number of us have stood to say, I need hope. There's a place in my life where I long for hope. There's a person in my life that I long for hope for them. There's a circumstance beyond my control and I don't know what the answers are and so I long for hope. Let me pray over you. Oh God who seeks to create and recreate the world. Oh God who relentlessly pursues us with love O oh God, who relentlessly seeks to recreate and shine light into the darkness, I give you thanks for these people who stand and have said, I need hope. And so, O oh God, I would ask your blessing and anointing on them and over them that you would birth in them the light of hope in their lives in a new way beginning on this day in this service. And oh God, may you ask them to commit to walking in your light, to trusting you for the promise of Isaiah, for the world that is yet to come that we even seek to bring into reality even now. And oh God, may these people be people of hope and bless them with an extraordinary measure of hope for whatever reason they have stood. May your name be praised. May your name be blessed because they have said, I long for hope and I would find it in the presence of God in my life. So birth hope on this day we pray. Let's stand together for the benediction. Receive this benediction. 
Be people of hope. Let hope live in your heart and share the hope of Christ with all you meet. Share hope by noticing someone else's humanity. Share hope by listening to someone's story. Share hope by praying for our world. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share hope. And as you go out into the wonder of God's creation, share hope with those you meet. And everyone said, amen. Go in hope. God bless you.